Hey, podcast listeners, want to let you know about a slight change happening to your podcast subscription in the new year. Come January 1, if you have been previously subscribed to this podcast, you will find yourself unsubscribed because we're making a switch in podcast hosts. I barely understand it myself. But what I do need to tell you is that once the new year comes, you need to search Apple Podcasts or Spotify for this podcast under the same name and resubscribe. You'll have access to all of the old content and new content will automatically be uploaded to your device. So thank you for your patience with that. And we look forward to bringing you more content as we go along. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. I'm Holly. And I'm Craig. And we are your hosts as we talk all things church, life, theology, faith, and beyond. Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast, episode seven of season two. I am your host, Holly, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig. How are you doing today, Craig? I'm wonderful. It is a special episode today for lots of reasons. Well, lots of reasons. Okay. Should I tell you what those reasons are? Or are you gonna Yeah, I would like <laughs> you to tell me what the reasons are. <laughs> well, okay, there's at least four reasons why. Four. Uh, I can only I can think of maybe like maybe two. Oh wow. Okay. Well, first <laughs> Oh, is, I guess okay, maybe three. First is it's almost Christmas, of course. Okay, that's yeah, that's one. That I wasn't thinking that. Okay. But so that the is most exciting. the most wonderful time of the year, of course. We of course we, we talked wow. about that. We, we have that on the record, Craig saying that. <laughs> there wasn't any sarcasm in my voice. No. Um, you know, we talked about Advent, but I mean, uh, as we get closer to Christmas, I feel my excitement gets gets higher. Like if you right. talk to me in October about Christmas, I'm not excited, but you know, now I'm getting more excited. Yeah, that's fair. Um it's your birthday tomorrow. So yeah. happy birthday. Thank you. You are, uh, do you want to tell us how old you're turning or do you not want to reveal that? No, no, it's fine. Uh, I am turning 27. 27. So that just so, means I'm no longer in my mid twenties. Well, no, 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 no. You're okay, still closer you. to 25 than you are to 30. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I could still say, I could say like mid to late. You have or, six you know months I'm going to say I'm going to say late or I'm going to say mid twenties until I'm 29. <laughs> <laughs> and then you stay at 29 forever. Exactly. Yeah. You never turn 30. Yeah. No, um, you, you're, you have six months to say you're still mid mid twenties and then, then okay. the clock changes, then you're late twenties. All right. Yeah. I'll hold on to that for dear life. <laughs> yeah. So, um, do you have big birthday plans? Is that something you do or is this just kind of low key? Um, well, I mean, last year was super low key because oh, yeah, obviously that was when it was like really tight restrictions, but I feel like now this year that, and like, I can, you know, there's pretty much not a lot of restrictions if you are vaccinated. So I'm probably just going to see a bunch of friends probably. Yeah. On uh, the weekend and uh, yeah, should be a good time. Nothing, nothing crazy, but just, yeah, it's fun to get everybody together. Cause we can do that. You can. So yeah. Yeah. So nice. that'll be good. So that's the second reason. The third reason it's it's my daughter's birthday, the same day as uh -huh. your birthday. So I knew that tomorrow. was the third reason. Yeah, Kenzie is turning seven, and uh, oh, she is man. having a unicorn pajama party. Are you dressing so, up as a unicorn? Uh, you know what? I looked on Amazon <laughs> for a unicorn onesie to, oh, no. to see if I could blow her mind on her birthday, but there wasn't really much, and it was too expensive to really pursue. Right. So. Um, I would have had so much respect for you. 
<laughs> I try. I wanted to. Yeah. I, I couldn't decide you know how she would react either. Like, I, I have think, respect for you for trying. Okay. <laughs> I think she would have, like, just gone silent, which for her is the perfect reaction because she's so loud and talkative all the time. Yeah. Like she would have just been like, okay. "What are you? What are you doing, Dad?" Um, I can't believe Kenzie's turning seven. In yeah. my brain, your children are permanently four and <laughs> no, not even four and six, four and like two. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why in my brain they are just those ages always. They grow up fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think because I live with her every day, I'm like, it's only seven. Like, are you not like nine already? At <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. seven, it is. So, um, so that's exciting. She's having her favorite meal of spaghetti. Um, nice you and know, it's we, a good, good safe meal yeah yeah and we tell them they can go we'll take them up for a, a dinner or something um around their birthday and it could be anywhere like she could choose something exciting but she wants to go to mcdonald's so that's uh <laughs> oh, that's, aim high <laughs> that's a win for the budget is what it is yeah that's great <laughs> so so those are three reasons and then the fourth reason is that uh our guest today is very near and dear to your heart well both of our hearts but yours more than mine <laughs> at least i hope so i yeah. hope so yeah um and that's your mom yeah so um mm. we've talked to my brother and now we're talking to your mom so it's true the family show you know it is yeah family show yeah she's been uh living in israel for two years now so uh she is back now just very recently the whole family's uh really coming together. Uh, my older sister just moved to Harrison also from Penticton. Yeah. So everybody's really just back now. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's nice to have everybody back together. And like we we're saying, can actually see each other during the holidays. So yeah. that's another really exciting thing too. But um, yeah, we'll talk to her today and hear a little bit about her experience and what it's kind of like being back, um, kind of things that she did over there and we'll learn about um her ordination process those types of things so, mm -hmm. yeah yeah mm -hmm. you guys having a big turkey dinner for christmas i think so honestly it's so funny the other day Corey asked me the plans for christmas and i'm like i have no idea we are so not organized right now i think because one of my sisters is on pender island this year for christmas so i don't know like what exactly the plan is and then we're also going to see my god family so i have a feeling there's going to be multiple Christmas dinners so I will have at least one turkey dinner probably more and will you make it again no see okay. for my friends givings and or yeah friends giving Christmas in the last couple of years I've actually I've made three turkey dinners now in the last year yeah no that can't yeah no that makes sense yeah yep. Yep. well not and not me all by myself obviously and I actually right. didn't do any of the turkey stuff but I did stuffing and like vegetables and all those fun things. But um, yeah, no, I we've done that just for our kind of friend group holiday gatherings. But yeah, with the family, I still don't do anything yet. Yeah, nice, cool. Yeah. Well, hey, let's jump into this conversation with your mom and uh, we hope you enjoy it. Welcome, mom, to the Ross Road Connect podcast. I can I feel like I should say welcome, Carol, but uh, no, I don't. It's mom I don't to you. call you Carol. Yeah. So, <laughs> welcome, mom, to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Thank you. I'm yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have you on here. Um, yeah, we are gonna get to hear a little bit about uh, your time in Israel. 
So, uh, and actually, this is probably the first time that we will actually really talk about, like, I've seen you a couple times, but we Thank haven't, like, I haven't even heard anything yet, really. Thank so, and obviously, we've talked, like, a little bit while you were away, too, but, like, I haven't really heard much. So, this will also be a first opportunity for me to hear these things. So, that's kind of fun. Um, so, yeah, tell us exactly what was your role while you were away? And I guess, where were you for those of um, you listening who do not know? Okay. Well, first of all, I was in Jerusalem, Israel, um, particularly working in the Old City at the Anglican uh, Christ Church, Jerusalem. Um, and it's really funny that you ask me that question because uh, most of the time I was there, I, I never felt like I was doing much. Um, I just, you know, people would say, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm counseling, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And I always felt like I'm, I'm just being me, you know? And so this actually was really helpful to me to see what I was doing hmm. without even realizing how much I was doing. Cause I, I sat down and started thinking, okay, I was a chaplain or I am a chaplain. So I'm working in the church, uh, sort of as a spiritual director. I was working under the pastor there, under the rector, and I was doing pastoral duties, basically, um, working with individuals and small groups of ladies, um, working with them doing Bible studies and uh, some counseling as well. Um, but also, I had the privilege of working with the Mercy Fund, which is a division of Christ Church Jerusalem. I did a lot of um, writing to help explain what the various um, pieces of the organization were all about um, and got to be a part of a lot of the work that was done, um, which involved, um, okay, one, it involved um, feeding the poor. So we had uh, food boxes that were delivered to people around the city. Um, we also worked with the gypsies who were just on the outside of the city and uh, feeding them and bringing used clothes and various things to them. Um, That's another portion of the work. I had the great opportunity to work with a, an Ethiopian fellow working in a program that uh, directly um, arranged the kind of foods that the Ethiopians were used to back in Ethiopia. So we brought the food in and we developed programs with them as well, because um, that was a total um, cultural shock for most of them when they came from Ethiopia to Jerusalem back in the 90s. Um, it was total shock from Ethiopia. You can imagine a small country and living in Africa and all of a sudden you're in this city that is very modern and they weren't used to so many things and their education level was lower, their um, technological understanding was nil. And so they had a lot to learn and um, they dealt with an awful lot of prejudice and um, just difficulty because they were considered less than everybody else. So the program working with the Ethiopians was um, just a phenomenal one. Um, but I also worked with uh, group of people, we worked with a group called Peles, which is a, a Hebrew word with nuances that sort of mean justice. And they were particularly two lawyers and some assistants who were basically involved with helping the poor access some of the social, um, social worker funding and programs that are available in Israel. 
but many of them had no idea what they were and had no idea how to access them all. So this particular group works with them and uh, goes to bat legally for a number of them. And um, yeah, it's, it's quite a program in itself, of itself. So I was doing that. Um, again, that's kind of all the stuff I was working with. <laughs> so I guess it was more than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Lots of people work, right? Which, yes. which sometimes I found the challenge with people work sometimes coming out of like a farming background is at the end mm -hmm. of the day, you mm -hmm. can't look back and, and be like, okay, that job is totally done. Right. Because right. a relationship's never totally done. Exactly. So there's always more to be done. Uh, yeah. yeah. Carol, what was the connection with this place in the, in the first place? Like, how did you end mm -hmm. up here? Um, when I was visiting in Israel in the summer beforehand, um, I was there for the three months and I was there. I went to Christchurch, Jerusalem just to check it out. Um, I'd been there, I'd heard of it, so I went to see it. And uh, it was a place of ministry to me in mm -hmm. terms of the people that were there and the setup because there's a, a big coffee shop there are lots of tourists around at the time so i was meeting lots of people and going in on the services and uh, just enjoying the connection and at one point i um helped i said look i'll you know help you with your summer program because this lady that oversees it needed help doing the summer sort of children's program so I said, if you want help i'm here to help and so she said great and i became really good friends with her and her husband and um then I became friends with another couple that were also pastors there who he leads the their Wednesday evening Bible study, which was a big deal and is a big deal on Zoom. It's all worldwide now. And uh, they actually talked to David Pelegi, who was the rector of the church when um, he got home because he was away all that time I was away or I was there. And when he got home and they said, you know, we need to bring her back. We think she'd be great in this community. And so David, the day before I was to leave, he says, can I talk with you for a minute? And he said, I heard so much about you from my workers, my coworkers, and we'd like to offer you a two year you know, um, visa to be able to come and work with us. So, mm -hmm. or volunteer with us, it's not work, it's volunteering. Um, they don't have enough money to pay. Plus it's a lot of hassle um, government wise to do work visa. So it's a volunteer visa and uh so yeah that was how i ended up there in the first place mm -hmm. yeah what did um so you've got a history in the mennonite brethren church mm -hmm. and now you go over there you're working in an anglican church a totally different trend tradition yeah. uh different ways of doing things uh mm -hmm. of, of course overlap in a lot of things as well yes uh wh what did you learn what did you appreciate about them and what did you in working with them realized that you really appreciated about the MB family uh, right. that you've experienced here. Okay, well, I can tell you the first thing about the MB family that I appreciated is the fact that being here, um, everyone here, well, first of all, everyone here is related. <laughs> so <laughs> in this community, everyone's related. Yeah. Um, so there's a very good family atmosphere and a great um, community and you're working together so that's a sort of a background coming from here from that background and then moving into Jerusalem was was really an easy fit although with the Jerusalem family um, it's smaller it was much smaller 
and it was much broader in terms of it being um, a, like people from all over the world were volunteering together. We're all working together and volunteering together. So we all had to come together without having that family background connection. Um, but in terms of, of the biblical background in our faith base, uh, very, very similar. Um, and in fact, we had, we had uh, people and they always have people from the Bruderhof communities which are um, Anabaptist background as well. And they're always, always volunteering at um, Christchurch. And Christchurch loves them because they're very hardworking. Mm. And so that was, that was very interesting to talk with them and to find out a little bit more about that. And so, yeah. Mm. Otherwise, um, I would say in terms of working with the Anglican Church and what I appreciated there and what led me to doing the deacon um, work was a sense of the the liturgy that I have been investigating anyway for the last few years and I was really beginning to appreciate that more um, for various reasons one of them though one of the major ones for me um, as I was there especially was the doing communion every week hmm. And the reason I say that is because doing it every week, um, they are reminded in the liturgy that you have to keep your relationship with God and with others around you pure. Hmm. You have to be able to say that you're, you don't have any hard feelings with anybody before you partake in communion. Um, and so that's sort of a reminder of, you know, like, okay, this is a really good thing. There's something there that was really good, that was positive, that was repetitive but it was very positive in terms of how it affects you as a person. And it sort of keeps you accountable to God. Hmm. Weekly, bi-weekly. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing it bi-weekly, so. Um, but the, I, I really appreciated that um, for sure. And I also really, um, I appreciated being able to set up the communion and take down the communion and being a part of it. There was There's part of the mystery of communion that is um, just very touching, uh, very mm. moving for me. I found it very moving. Mm. Um, in terms of the scriptures and the actual liturgy of, you know, reading the scriptures, um, you end up going through the whole Bible in three years altogether mm. as a group, um, and they're all connected. They sort of bring the scriptures together, like four different readings and bringing the scriptures together. And so it's it's a different process, but basically ross road has its own liturgy you know you mm -hmm. have your own own setup for how you do things and mm -hmm. so the word liturgy isn't isn't as scary as it might sound it's it's yeah. still repetitive both sides they're repetitive just in a totally different way right so, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah. yeah those are some of the biggest things for me i think yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. and Very you cool. also um you also got ordained while you were away so talk yeah. to us about uh, that process and uh what that means for you now um, being ordained was exciting. It was a big process, a big step for me because um, I, I was glad I had the chaplaincy because I wouldn't have been able to participate otherwise. Mm, <laughs> uh, yeah. You have to have your MA. So I, huh. I haven't heard that ringtone in a long time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so right off. Awesome memories. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, anyway. Um, yeah, like you have to have your master's in something before you can go ahead with the with that uh, process. But 
there's a lot of study. There's a lot of work you have to know, and there's the history. A lot of it is the history of the Church of England, of course, and all of the history from the from the early church up. Um, so that you're working with a lot. Um, and just understanding a lot of the procedure and some of the, the robes and all of the stuff that, you know, people think of with the, you know, the robes that people wear. We had to wear the white robes and you have the sashes on everything else. But there's basically a lot of that stems back to Old Testament times in the temple. Mm -hmm. A lot of those robes are, are designed after Old Temple, the priestly attire. And so that was kind of interesting for me. I found that uh, really unique. But the biggest thing about being a deacon is that they really stress that being a deacon is like uh, taking on the work of Stephen hmm. in, in the New Testament and how he became the Steve, Stephen became the um, servant of the people in the church, of the widows and the orphans and taking care of them. And so becoming a deacon is to take that role in the church and everybody who becomes a deacon Afterwards, they can proceed to become a priest and proceed, you know, all the way up to archdeacon, archbishop rather. But every one of them must still sort of maintain that first uh, first experience of being a deacon. You have to you consider yourself a deacon before you consider yourself anything else in the church. Mm -hmm. And so I really I really liked that 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 meant a lot to me in terms of it's a, a matter of the um, Jesus washing the feet. Like carrying the carrying the towel and washing the feet mm -hmm. of, the, of the church and that's what a deacon is meant to be mm -hmm. and so for me that was very powerful and that's why i went for it mm -hmm. so. yeah so do you know what you hope to do with that ordination moving forward or is that um still to be decided that is still to be decided um yeah. they were quite happy they, they knew i'm still committed to ross Road. yeah and um, but they also said, you know, there might be some things you might be able to do some work. I might be able to actually work with with one of the other um, Anglican churches as well in the chaplaincy role um, as a deacon. And um, I actually were supposed to preach and supposed to do everything else, too, which is was very interesting for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Having to sort of learn that and learn the homiletics and, and stuff like that. And yeah. Never thought I would do any of that. <laughs> but I'm learning. And did you have opportunity to do it already? A little bit, very yeah. tiny. Yeah. Very tiny. Yeah. Yeah. I would have had to do a lot more if I had stayed there. Right. Um, but I got out of it. Oh <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, wow! Yeah. I think uh, I I think as evangelicals and maybe even as Mennonite brethren, uh, we we can uh, look at. Um, like the, the Anglican tradition um, at a kind of a distance, right? Like we, we, we keep, kind of keep it at arm's length. Yeah. And I think that they're, even what you describe is fascinating, right? Like the history and some of that, some of that teaching and tradition hasn't, isn't quite valued in the same way in our tradition. And I think if it were, mm -hmm. we would be better for it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so I, yeah, I think there's lots we can learn from from your experience and you would send me from time to time you would send me emails with you know i learned this about uh, you know about whatever topic it was from yeah. the tradition that i'm in now or from a jewish yeah. understanding of things yeah. and that really helped you to understand the scriptures better right absolutely yeah yeah very much so but that part of it is mostly from jerusalem 
not all Anglicans learn that. Sure. And all sure. the all the stuff that I learned in Jerusalem. Yeah. We had the um, we had the benefit of having one of our guys studied with rabbis, and and even David David has been there 41 years, so he knows a lot of rabbis, and and you know we have we had the um, Greek Orthodox right beside us as well, so we have we, like there's friendships between them all, mm. and so. But I will tell you one of the funniest things about living in the old city with the Greek, or, Greek Orthodox Church. Um, I, I, I couldn't help but be stunned and laugh at the same time when my first um, experience, I was, I was in my new place and all of a sudden I'm hearing bagpipes. <laughs> and going, Where are these coming oh, from? Yeah. And it's like, and the Greek Orthodox Church has these major parades all through all the tiny little streets, all through Old City, um, to celebrate Easter and Christmas and hmm. you know all of these different things. Like, oh my gosh! And, and they're all bagpipes and the great big drums. Oh, <laughs> 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 all over the city, and it's like, oh my goodness, very loud. Yeah, very wow. so that was pretty funny. That's awesome. <laughs> I never would have thought of bagpipes and and drums. No. Church. No, I wouldn't have either. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So after like living in such a place that is so like biblically relevant, I'm like, I have no a better word to use for it. I've heard like quite a few people say that when they return from somewhere like Jerusalem, they feel spiritually drained. Um, and I know I've talked to you like only a little bit about this when we were on our way home when we picked you up from the airport, but is this something you've experienced being back is feeling that kind of like, I guess, spiritual overwhelming feeling or like, how have you experienced that? Um, I think coming back, I, I would say I, I felt actually more of a, how do I put it? More of a loneliness mm. for Jerusalem in some ways and that's partly just because we're alone here so much because of covid regulations but um for people who have been there i definitely understand the the heavy um spiritual sort of almost an oppressive like feeling mm -hmm. when you're there if you're there for a long term in particular um but a lot of that stems like you said from the history and the narrative all around you um and mm -hmm. i give an example in terms of the you know the the old city is sitting on the hill and all around the valley on the east to the west is there's the which valley is it um you've got the kidron valley which is in the west which the mount of olives is behind it and you have massive graves there massive number of jewish graves um and there's constantly constantly um sort of the difficulty with with people defacing the graves um some of them have been torn down etc and over time this is a period this is long time this is stuff that goes on all the time um, and then it moves toward the side like it moves towards the west and south well bethlehem's in the south but as you come around the kidron valley into the hinnom valley that's actually where judas threw himself down mm. and then moving into the into the Hinnom Valley is where in the Old Testament, you find all the stories of all the um, ancient worshipers of other faiths um, that were 
into things like um, infant um, infant sacrifice. And so that's all in those valleys. All of this stuff was sort of in the valley. So you can tell, you know, if, especially if you're aware of any of that stuff, you're kind of like looking out over it and thinking, wow, mm-hmm. you know, this is the kind of stuff that was going on here 2,000 I mean, years ago, two to 3,000 years. And it, it's like, you kind of think, yeah, there is a little heaviness in the city. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder where it comes from. You know, yeah. spiritually speaking, there's there's a lot there. So, yeah, there's a lot of spiritual warfare, I guess, if you would say, you know. Um, oh, totally. In, the, in and around the city. And Jerusalem's probably the worst. And I've, I've heard okay. that from many people who are in, in Israel, mm. that Jerusalem mm. is, is the city where you feel it the most. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't write this question down for you to think of ahead of time, but it's on this similar topic of like, I experienced this a little bit one of the times that we were in Rome and when we were in the Vatican and yeah. walking into like St. Peter's Basilica. And when you can actually like kind of go underground and you can see like the grave of Peter, that's when like I had such a moment of like, I am in the Bible, like I'm living, yeah. like yeah. this is crazy. It's just when you see those like physical reminders of just that it's a real story. What yeah. for you, like living in Jerusalem, what made you have that feeling the most where you're like, oh, like I'm living in the Bible? Yeah. Um, the archaeological um, things that I got to be a part of, um, mm. especially in the city of David. Yeah. Um, I can't remember his name, Shukran, something, Eli Shukran or something. He was one of the first um, archaeologists to work at the city of David and great guy, great guy. And he took a, a group of us from the church over there and took us way back back inside and i did talk to you craig about some of that i wrote to you about that because it was fascinating um to go back to the time of david and Mm -hmm. it's all under the city like Mm -hmm. everything's dug up under the city and it's it's all held up in pieces but it's it's very low like it goes down a long ways Mm -hmm. it goes down quite quite a few feet i can't remember the amount but it's it's a long ways down there is there is a passage that you can do in general, like a, the city of David offers tours to everybody. Um, but this one was was quite phenomenal with this guy. It was, it was amazing. He did a phenomenal job of explaining it to me. He's Jewish. And so he has all that Jewish history of David and all of the stuff that went on behind. And, and I explained there was one one area that they found that, that um, they believe goes back to Melchizedek. Wow. And, uh, you know, the worship in that time and the, the way it was handled and the way they found it, it was um, incredible. It was just amazing. Oh my goodness. That's when you felt, I felt like I really am in this land. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. there were lots cool. of, of those archeological areas. I also felt it at, um, I, I love it. A lot of people go to the one at Magdala where they mm. found sort of the town or the village that done some work there where Mary of Magdalene was from. Hmm. And there was That's a small cool. synagogue in the area. So um, they found that synagogue and a bunch of other stuff where people lived. And so that's, it's all fascinating. Yeah. Did you get to do a lot of that kind of exploration of those biblical sites around the area? Not a lot, but I did a fair amount. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I would have done more, would have done yeah. more if I'd had the yeah, chance, of course. Um, but uh, I did did a good amount. I did, um, I mean, and there's quite a bit right in the old city. 
so you can do a fair amount just walking around the old city and go in and look at some of the digs and some of the stuff that's around there. And I got called into one one afternoon very quickly and um, they had just found something. They had just found this and and he says, you know, we just found this down here and it's just, they're building a parking lot. And of course they have to do examination of what's underneath this area. Mm. And they did this dig and they're actually going to cover it all over. They have to box it all in and have it all, you know, named off. They have, they have to have all the paperwork done and then they box it all in and, and build a big parking lot over it. Mm. Anyway, we, um, we got to see it. A few of us went with, went there because he happened to come in the coffee shop. The guy that was in charge of the dig came in the coffee shop and started talking to somebody like, oh, yes, we're coming with you. <laughs> so he showed us some stuff and then he just looked at, and I went to take a picture and he goes, no, 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 no. He says, you can't put that on Facebook because we haven't got mm. it actually all systematized yet. Oh, yeah. So until that's done, no Facebook. Mm. No showing these pictures. Yeah. And so well, that was exciting. Yeah. But it was quick. Yeah. It was nearby, and yeah, it was it was all fun and interesting. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned spiritual warfare a moment ago. There was also some pretty literal warfare going on. Yeah. While you were there with the Israel-Palestine conflict. What, what what was that like to be there for that? And what what observations do you have about how that's all come about and how how it is now? Um. That's probably one of the things that was the hardest yeah. on me mentally. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't feel like it at the time. Mm. Because quite honestly, during the day, life went on. People, people's lives just went on during the day. And so I would just go out. I went out of the, and I lived in the old city. I lived right beside five minutes away from Damascus Gate, where a lot of this mm. was happening in Jerusalem anyway. And so I would go into work. I would head over to the other direction into work and work the whole day and then go home at night and just, you know, put on the news to see what was going on and stuff like that. And um, it was, I mean, I, I do understand both sides of what happened there, but I also see both sides um, prodded each other on hmm. in terms of, you know, come on, let's fight. Let's hmm. go for it. The radicals it was radical people that were really pushing hard hmm. and then um yeah when it broke out when there was there was a whole bunch of stuff and i i know that and i'm not far from the um from the temple mount too where um things were taking place so i i know all about that i know what was happening there i knew that you know what happened prior to that and what happened um afterwards and then the all the rockets started and over 4,000 rockets within a week wow. hitting Israel. And it was like, yeah, Israel struck back. Um, and I will give them credit. They don't, they warn them ahead of time that they're going to blow up a building. Mm. So people get out, get out of the building because we're blowing this one up mm -hmm. for their own reasons, for their storage. They found, you know, storage of, other rockets or other warfare although all the war stuff is in this building and we're blowing it up period mm. so but there was there were newscasts there were things happening on the newscast and there were um there was a lot of heartache on both sides we had arabs palestinians working with us in the compound um and we also have jews working on the compound 
with us. And so it was really interesting to observe all of that. Um, it was after the fact, um, after the week was over, and I think I was almost in, in limbo emotionally, maybe, but after it was over, I was very, very frustrated. I was frustrated with the news reports. I was frustrated with just the, all the ideas. And to be honest with you, I had some people ask me questions and I wrote questions, I wrote answers back and I was trying to be very careful not to be hard on one side or the other. And I basically got told I didn't know what I was talking about. And so I thought that frustrated me because I thought people aren't open to even hear what, mm -hmm. I'm, what I'm going through. So why even think about it? But that made me angry and frustrated more. And so then I'm dealing with that emotionally inside of me. And I had to really, um, I really found that difficult to deal with because mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm forming opinions and that just made matters even worse for me. So I had to argue in my head an awful lot, mm. <laughs> not argue with people, but in my own head, trying to deal with my, my feelings and what I was hearing and, and all of these other things coming at me. And I was, so that, that was hard. Yeah. Hmm. So to ask you a bit of a lighter question is, oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you have many stories, but what is a significant story in which you did see God move during your time there? I'm sure there's um, tons. But. There's lots of them. You're right. And I, I had trouble. I was writing that one out. And um, I guess I was going to say, here we go, stories. I, the most fulfilling in terms of the work that I was doing were the number of women who would who were just so appreciative and they would sit with me and they were like i i was their best friend i was their mm -hmm. absolute best friend um because you know we were talking about things and and studying together the spiritual counseling and they're like they're they felt free and they felt um excited um they were happy again they like they they could just talk to me and um we just talked about a lot of things and so that was the most fulfilling i think terms of their responses toward me mm. and that was where I struggled because then they tell me all these things about how wonderful I am and I'm like I'm not that wonderful you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, you know. Um, listening to them it was I, I felt very appreciated I will say that um, but I will mention a couple of instances if I can just just yeah. short stories yeah of course one story was working with a young Palestinian gal from Bethlehem who um she was muslim and she talked to me about how much she hated jews and how she was going to be a suicide bomber and everything else and she said and then i found jesus like and mm. then jesus it was like she received jesus she heard from jesus in a dream and she looked into that and she became a christian wow in becoming a christian her father and family um threatened to kill her mm she had to get out of town basically so she had to find some people to help her and um, I had the privilege of working with NAMA and the Mercy Fund and with other people other groups as well to hide her from her family um, and she's now sort of in place to be moved somewhere totally outside of Israel and everywhere um, mm. so there was that that one um, and then another one kind of similar but not quite um, 
was a young girl, I was asked to just visit with her and talk with her, and it was all online. I couldn't go to the prison, but this young girl came from Nigeria, and she had seen her mother killed by ISIS. Mm. She fled, and she managed to get to Israel. And when she got to Israel, she's not Jewish, and so she's not allowed in. And so they offered, Israel offered to send her home and set her up in a business and do all kinds of things, and she refused. She was not going back to Nigeria, period, because of what she'd experienced. And um, after refusing for so long, like she was in jail for two years, for over two years, refusing all of the offers and everything that they kept saying, no, no, I'm not leaving. I'll stay in jail, I'm not leaving. And so she did that and then um, finally, um, Somebody, I, I, I can't even remember the whole story, but somebody, it could have been through Payless, it could have been through another lawyer, but um, there was work done and we managed to connect with the UN and um, she's now moved. She's out of the country, mm. totally out of the country, placed in a place where she'll do very well. And uh, But the cool thing was before she could get moved, it was COVID and she couldn't get moved, so she was she was moved out of prison, but she was staying someplace and she came down to visit. And so while we were visiting, she was able to be in a service. She hadn't been in a, in a church for over two years, of course, because she'd been in prison. And her response and just to see her response while we were sitting there through the service and it was at Easter time. So it was even more meaningful for her and, and for me to sit with her and be with her um, through the services. It was good. It was really wow. special. For wow. Her. Hmm. That's amazing that those are um, a significant and it just shows that life life change when we have when we help like that. It's one person at a time, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you help the person in front of you. And mm. then you look, you know, who, who else can I help? Mm. And you know, those people's lives are changed forever because of what you did and others around in those situations. That's people working together. Yeah, to yeah. 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 Wow. Hmm. So uh, maybe as we wrap up here, Carol, what, what's it like being home and what do you foresee in terms of involvement with the church in Jerusalem uh, in the future? And which daughter did you miss the most while you were away? <laughs> <laughs> and why was it me? <laughs> no answer. <laughs> wise. That's a yeah. wise mother. <laughs> um, coming home has been very strange. Um, I, I do miss miss my family back there in terms of of the time spent with each other. Um, it's been very interesting because coming home, um, it's very familiar here. Like as soon as I walked in, and and Holly and Jennifer and Graham are joking around about my heavy luggage, and we're just laughing and having fun, and uh, it's like, okay, this is home. This is family. It's very, very familiar. And then even driving around, it's very familiar. Um, but at the same time, I'm coming from these two years in Jerusalem. And it's like it's surreal. It's like I, I feel like I'm waking up from a dream. Mm. So that's a little bit of adjustment. And because I'm alone so much now here, that's even harder in some ways. Like I, I have a lot of time to try and sort things out, try and get back together. But yeah, it's a little little odd. I will mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to spending time with people. 
because um, mm -hmm. we we hadn't hadn't been in lockdown other than wearing masks in stores. Um, some people wore them in the church, most people didn't. Um, it was, you know, there was just no, none of that at all for probably mm -hmm. the last six months. Right. And, and um, the only time that we had it and we had to ask people to put the masks on was when the police officers who were in the building right across the street from us, <laughs> Um, they came and warned us that they just might drop in mm -hmm. and so we could be fined right. if we weren't wearing them inside. So we yeah. did ask everybody that morning if they would please wear their masks because we yeah. didn't want to be fined. Yeah. Um, I mean, I only had one person, one person who yelled at me for asking him to do that. Mm -hmm. um, but other people, other people wore them anyway. Sometimes they wore them all the time. Um, depends on, on how they felt and that was fine. There was no, there wasn't a lot of, of arguing for discussion, um, which was good. And I've heard a lot from other friends around like Abbotsford and, and Vancouver, that um, a lot of churches here have had a lot of trouble with that. And so mm. that's really strange for me. Like I'm mm. just, oh, okay. We've been, mm. we've been normal for <laughs> at least yeah. to eight months. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, so that's probably my biggest, um, adjustment so when i'm not wearing a mask i'm not doing it intentionally to say anything to anybody i'm just kidding yeah. that people you know that i don't i'm not used to it that's all yeah. <laughs> i don't mean yeah. to offend anybody when i do yes that. when yeah, i have before, you know so, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of okay that's just normal life for me so coming yeah. back here that is an adjustment so um and moving forward in terms of uh connection with jerusalem um, I can't go back for at least six months because of my MSP. Um, you can only be gone. I can only be gone six months anywhere out of the country for six months for the next three years. Hmm. So that's totally, and I don't know how it's going to work. Um, it also depends on my health and what's going on there. Um, I'm getting things checked out, um, regarding some health issues and then, um, I, I'm still involved in terms of Sunday evening service there, Sunday morning service here. So I have to go to the late service because the early service is when I'm handling all the, the um, online service. I'm the chat line sort of prayer person for the yeah. chat line back um, in Jerusalem cool. from 8 to 10. So, yeah, but uh, other than that, I don't know what's what's happening. I'm sort of open. I'm just sort of waiting and praying and, and open to see how God's going to lead. Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. It's one of the great things to come out of COVID if you're trying to put a positive spin on things is the inclusion of online church now. And I don't know what Christchurch was doing before. Maybe they were already doing it. But um, the fact that you still can be connected from here is yeah. a huge gift. And yeah, the fact is. that if you wanted to, you could have watched Ross Road from over there. So it's... Uh, I did some yeah, mm -hmm. definitely a positive. I did, but I was busy most of the time. Well, I was preaching, right? Well, of course. <laughs> I did go back and watch your preaching services because I was That's online good. when you guys were online. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, that's great. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, Carol, uh, I'm sure you'll have opportunity to share a lot more with people uh, individually and maybe in small groups as as time goes on. I and love that. Uh, You'll be sharing with us in church um, in a few days after this releases as well. But okay. um, 
yeah, thank you for taking the time to share with us today. And uh, we look forward to interacting with you more. Thank you. Thank you. Very thankful for the opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support. And um, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Mm -hmm.